Welcome. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to uh, another exhilarating episode of uh, Energy Bites here with myself, uh, John Calfan, my wonderful co host, Bobby Nealon. How you what's doing? Up, today, what's Bobby? up? And the founder and managing partner of uh, Velocity Insight Singular. Singular, just. Yeah. Just one insight. <laughs> Zach Warren. They only, that's their, their they guarantee. They only promise one. One, pro- one. one insight. One good point. Minimum yeah. one insight. <laughs> I like it. How you doing today, Zach? I'm really good. Uh, I live in Denver, so three days in Houston has resaturated my uh, Yeah, you my look skin. Skin. <laughs> right. you, look, you look vibrant. I mean, yeah, right. Well, uh, you got basically every type of weather you could get while you're here. So just like yeah. every, every Houstonian every week. Landed in a thunderstorm, <laughs> yeah. and now it's beautiful yeah. outside. Yeah. So it's pretty good. No, you picked a really good time i was yeah. i took my kid to the park for the first time in a few months yesterday yeah. because yeah. it was actually you know it didn't get above 85 degrees or whatever it was <laughs> i'm like wearing time. a sweater and i'm comfortable <laughs> yeah. yeah this would not have been the same situation no. last week no yeah. i'm incredibly thankful for our rain and now the moderately cooler temperature everyone in houston's like freaking out wearing like long sleeves and stuff because that's how it works down mm-hmm. here the minute it starts to cool yeah we, we walked out of the donut shop with my daughter earlier just like it's kind of cold it's like it's not Collins cold it's like 75 degrees yeah. inside. Collins wore sweatshirts <laughs> it's not bad. Today. <laughs> like, like well, it's not that cold <laughs> well cool man well you know te- one thanks for kind of arranging your schedule and everything yeah. so we could get you on while we're here um but kind of you know, let's jump into it. Kind of tell us your background, kind of how you got into energy and tech and to, to where you are today. Yeah. So, uh, I'm a reservoir engineer by background. Um, was a mechanical engineer at UT and then started, yeah, there you go. Started at, uh, Exxon Mobil in 2003. Um, was there for about five years and worked mostly international assets, worked in their research lab for a couple of years. And then, Standard Exxon resume, I went to work for Nolan Sewell, did third-party reserves for a few years there. And then along the way, my wife and I moved up to Denver and uh, worked for a series of smaller operators up there. Um, 2015, I got to Great Western Petroleum and was the reservoir manager and was basically bitching about our data a lot, that our data quality and integration and stuff like that wasn't where it could, should be, and ended up running a data analytics team for a couple of years and was like, oh, man, this is... It was really fun. I really love being a reservoir engineer. I I miss it sometimes, but it was like a whole new set of problems I'd never right. never needed to wrestle with before. And so ran that team for two years, made basically all of the mistakes that you could make running a, a data analytics team for the first time. And, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And uh, no, no one in the oil field has any idea what you're talking right. about. Right. <laughs> don't try to connect directly to Bolo. That doesn't work. That's, just, that's a basic. Isn't that a bizarre? Like database behind it. It's that? yeah, unit it's data. Like, it's yeah. three dimensional database structure. It's it, don't, don't do it. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> and uh, kind of saw like. Hey, we would have been a lot more efficient if we could have just hired a consulting firm. So I founded Velocity Insight in 2021, and we're basically a data analytics team for hire. So kind of like the team you might see at a large ENP, but we work for mostly smaller companies, a lot of private equity portcos, family companies um, doing hands-on projects. We also do advisory, like software selection and strategy work, um, teach Power BI classes, that kind of thing. So we're up to... 12 or 13 people, um, 30, 28 clients, something like that. Um, so yeah, it's like a, it's like a real company. Yeah. (laughs) Two years and there you go. Yeah. Yeah. We like pay taxes and stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) It's official. That's that's when it's official. When you're note to the IRS, we are not cheating on our taxes. Uh, well, so how did you, uh, you know, how'd you get into the the kind of tech side of things coming from the the energy backgrounds so to speak yeah i mean i i think reservoir engineers on yeah. average are among Naturally. the nerdiest yeah. uh disciplines i think the geologists would argue with you on uh, yeah some, i mean i'll like colored pencils, i'll agree a little man. bit but like i mean like it's yeah, different I mean, my it's experience like the engineers like they engineers i don't know they, they engineers always want to solve problems yeah we yeah. Like to like, solve those problems man yeah and, and within reservoir engineers like I worked at the research lab. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nerd of there. Right? Nerd alert. Yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, early in my career, I was doing a lot of full field reservoir simulation. Um, Exxon had an in-house, a series of in-house reservoir simulators that they had built and, and 
for an ungodly amount of money. <laughs> yeah. Just, um, like, just like all the other super <laughs> Yeah. We had Mars and Empower and all these tools that they used forever. And um, we did all the post-processing in SAS. Okay. Um, so my first run real SAS exposure. Run. What's that? that? Run SAS run, right? <laughs> right. Um, so I, I spent years programming SAS scripts um, to do post-processing and analysis on on uh, reservoir simulation models, which I I enjoyed. I I knew that I didn't want to do it forever, but um, did a lot of that. And then by the time I got to Samson Resources in 2010, um, Spotfire was really starting to catch on. Yeah. They had that whole Core Lab um, partnership, which is a, like the best marketing story for an yeah. EMP software thing ever. It, yeah, you guys know that story. No, the back let's, let's dive yeah. into it. Yeah. yeah. So the old, uh, not old, they're still around core labs, mm-hmm. um, consortia for core data in the different shale basins. Um, you'd pay like a hundred grand. You committed to collect two whole cores from well, from vertical yeah. wells, submit them to core lab. They do all the analysis and then they'd compile it from like 20 operators, 30 operators. And the way they delivered the data back to you was in a DXP, a Spotfire DXP. Nice. Um, but the light you and you got a free license as a as a um, participant in the consortium. You got two free consumer licenses, so you could open okay. the DXP that they had sent you, but you could not add any new data. Okay. So like everybody else, I was a reservoir <coughs> engineer at Samsung. Well, I want to put myself right, yeah. and I'm like, oh my god, this is so much better than Excel. It's so much better <laughs> <Yeah>. than <laughs> than SAS. Oh, it looks like there's an import feature. You hit that button, you get a splash screen. If you would like to import uh-huh. new features, please call Tibco at 1-800. And I mean, it it was genius. It worked so well. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know what salesperson is responsible for that deal, but it was brilliant. You yeah, know, it was part of that. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't even Tim Loser Was he part of that early on? I, you know, I, I asked, uh, funk, yeah. uh, and I've asked a couple of other people, like who is the one who got that deal done? And I, I still okay. don't, yeah, know. I don't know about the deal, but cause Tim was at Tibco, right? So, I mean, times. And then I think so. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, but, but yeah. anyway, I did a bunch it's of always interesting work. to understand how they became the preferred, right. you know, well, and then it was self reinforcing, right? Like right. you get a client and they'd say, man, I really need to import shape files. And yeah. so they'd figure out how to import shape files. Oh yeah. man, I really need to do box and whisker plots, which is yeah. like my favorite oh, yeah, visualization, yeah. right? And box and whisker plots are a default option in Spotfire, which almost no other visualization yeah. package handles, but it's a great method for that kind of yeah, data. Yeah, for sure. Um, so anyway, I, you know, did a lot of Spotfire work at a number of different companies. Um, first got introduced to Power BI in 2019 um, and kind of started falling in love with it. And then just market dynamics wise, I, I think, that Microsoft is going to do what they always, always do. do. Yeah. Just give it time and they'll <laughs> network effect. And they, right. I mean, it, there's teams integration, there's PowerPoint integration, all that stuff. Yeah, and, I actually just uh, did my windows update last night and now they've got a co-pilot button on the start menu now that pulls up a sidebar. Yeah. That whole, oh, that whole is, if they can pull off that whole fabric thing across the board and the co-pilot with it, it's going to yeah. be, pretty wild yeah there's some really interesting things and it's like it's not about a technology question it's so much more to me about a commercialization question and a market you know imprint and sure um when it's so sticky it's so sticky once you start using that and you find some really good workflows with it it's so hard to get out of it i was using (laughs) i was using this uh yesterday i've been trying to set up play around with this chat dev Git repo that mm. has come out which is supposed to be like a software team of agents you type you set it up you put in your open api key you tell it build me this software and then it goes through d- each agent as a department basically that wow. will do qa all this stuff so i was using i was trying to get that set up and uh i was using another one that's called open interpreter which is basically a llm for coding but that has access to the internet and uh, i was using one ai to go and set up <laughs> this other app. like this is nuts man like this yeah. is turtles all yeah the this down. is full yeah. matrix right here <laughs> like, but it's uh no i that's i don't think people give microsoft enough credit um especially for the enterprise stuff right just like being able to go not only have they sustained for so long but they continue acquiring and then integrating and then most importantly having a very good feedback 
yeah loop of progressing right because like i remember when i first started messing around with power bi I don't, when bobby and i yeah, were working together probably yeah and i was like because eh. i had come yeah. from spot you know i've been using Spotfire as a very mature before, by right? yeah absolutely yeah and of course we were using it for like one second data which power bi does high resolution not. and i'll d- i'll disagree like, with you we didn't can talk like about that later then. yeah yeah, yeah. Well, well, I was going to have to set up a custom. Yeah. I don't even think at that point they had Python or R in, oh, in it yet. So yeah, there was, was like no, yeah. <laughs> there yeah. was no customization around it. But but it's a great product now, yeah. in my opinion, right? Like there's a lot of really good things about it that I like yeah. that I don't think many of the other Viz tools have, honestly. Yeah. Well, and from y'all's side too, I mean, there's not a, even small, but even major EMP that's not using the Microsoft stack that doesn't have Office 365. So I mean, like, yep. And you're not going to get, you're going to get much less pushback from oh, IT, IT departments, <laughs> you know, if you're using the Microsoft side, like if you come in and say, Hey, I've got this cool thing. I need you to deploy a container on a Linux VM. They're going to like, their head's going to explode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. It, it's painful. And, and like, I love Spotfire. I still love it. We do some work on top of Spotfire, but I'm interested in not just like where the ball is today, but right. where it's going. And I, I think you look at the way all that stacks up, like uh, a lot of EMP companies now are on, um, e5 licenses which means that power bi pro is free mm-hmm. like there is no incremental cost for yeah. the equivalent to Spotfire analyst right. at twelve hundred dollars a year right yeah. like yeah i'm going through my Spotfire renewal right now and i'm like i can see why people you know <laughs> right and it, i mean that 1200 bucks for an employee that makes 200 grand is not that big of a deal right. but like no but it's it's something i mean like i mean no that's yeah i mean whatever whatever it ends up being for the size of your company 70 grand to 100 or whatever i mean like that's potentially someone's salary I mean, yeah like yeah right no that's, that's uh, it's funny because i remember when we first got our spot fire licenses when we were at working together i was like oh it's only 1200 bucks a year that's not bad <laughs> now it's like i will i will never like i'll use power bi until uh unless you really need it right unless i just have to have a spot for our license but yeah even then I, i'll probably ask someone else to do it for me <laughs> yeah so we run this big software survey to try to look at market share and the majority of enp companies in our data set have both Spotfire and power yeah. bi and i think that's the right choice for most companies you've got like a reservoir engineer a geologist a production engineer whatever who's built a lot of cool stuff they're yeah. really productive in it right keep them happy yeah. do not screw with that um you're trying to add oh. new things you're trying to deploy stuff on a on a smartphone app then <laughs> Go dual track. No, yeah, just no right you choice. need to teach them how to create star schemas, Zach. And oh my god, <laughs> uh, and a, how to do it in Power BI. Like we have a training module for that. Yeah, and, and it's painful. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it's no, no. I mean like that's what we are. I mean again, and to your, kind of the point you talked about, we're you know subsurface and engineering as Spotfire, and mm-hmm. then but like the accounting, we've got a couple like you know again to to, your, to the other point, we actually have a couple you know star schemas and cubes mm-hmm. for the accounting data, and they love it. Like, oh, this may fly around in it, and it's really good. So, I mean, it's really good. Um, yeah, you gotta. I think we talk about this a good bit, but you gotta meet people where they're at, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, I think that's, yeah, we've that's been one of the, like, I would say a very surprising kind of thread from almost all of our guests is it's like from a user experience perspective, it's always easier to meet them in the tool that they understand the most and they use on a date, like, no retraining, no new training, mm-hmm. no friction from the it department no friction on well i don't know how to use this thing like mm-hmm. and uh yeah i genuinely think it makes sense even though but set up processes behind that or upstream correct, of that correct. that make yeah they're make, great, make their great data stuff more reproducible and yep. better yeah dude a really a good job on the data engineering and and data management side then i can push the same exact set of tables mm-hmm. to yep. whatever platform you want to yeah. go into and, and then again talking about the power platform and you got a power bi data set and now you can connect seamlessly to that and from your excel dashboard seriously I mean, like, yeah. yeah 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 no i mean i think that's a, a lot of cool one, stuff right like i bobby knows how much i've hated excel uh historically <laughs> primarily because in the on the field side that's typically or on the op side that's typically where data goes to die because someone it's being sent via emails and it ends yes. up in a my docs folder and yes. then no one ever sees it again, right? Flowback like, reports are <laughs> the worst thing to deal back, with in the entire I mean, industry. Yeah. <laughs> Brack stages are the same thing. Um, but having the ability to, you know, have a proper data structure and pipeline and then feed that in a structured pseudo lockdown way to an Excel spreadsheet 
Well, and to get things like low-level security to right. go all the right. way downstream. <laughs> yeah. Like, IT departments worry about that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, being able to mask social security numbers and stuff mm -hmm. like that so you've got some privacy protections. Those those features really matter. And if you've got a grown-up data engineer who can really do that the right way, then um, whatever destination they end up in, it's going to work. Yeah. Um, I, I write these really nerdy blog posts, and one of them is implementation matters more than selection. Mm -hmm. um, selecting oh, yeah. a slightly better piece of software is probably not going to get you anywhere if you do a shitty job of implementing yeah, it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you you could have a Mercedes that you put bald tires and 87 <laughs> octane gas in it, and you're not going to be very happy with the performance. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's always that people processes and technology piece. And oh, people. Oh, and people always think that oh, I get this tool. My life's gonna be so much better. It's like no, but and or it's the other way around. Like we, we were talking about this the other day because we saw you know a really cool tool kind of on the ESG side. And it's like, all this is going to do is make, is force us to get our data in order on this side. And that's 90% of the work. So why don't we just focus on doing that? And then we'll decide if we want to <laughs> right. use them or not. Or we, or at that point we can probably do enough of what we need to do, like in Spotfire, Power BI or whatever, you know, possibly, but I mean, I went through it at university lands. We did a MDM project. <gasps> yeah, no, I know. But like, <laughs> but you know, basically just procuring and setting, setting it up. We're like, Oh, if we were to just force ourselves to do this, we basically did the work just by it forced us to communicate and yep. to come up with these uh, rules, or whatever. But then, like this, the software may have made it a little bit easier. But it was again ninety percent of the work was just actually yeah. getting us to collaborate. Time and, in conference rooms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been in part of two MDM implementations, yeah. and like they're they're painful, they're hard. They they can result in really really good outcomes. Yeah. But the the simplest thing of just like. Hey, here's a list of all the wells that are in Aries, but not in Bolo. And here's a list of the wells that are in Bolo, but not in Aries. Like, yeah. let's let's fix that. But what operator do you have in this system? And what operator do you have in that? For non-op, not even like, getting. I'm just talking about the list of. Oh wells. yeah, just yeah, which wells? <laughs> just and, like, you know, yeah. that, those kinds of things are really really valuable. They're slow. You mm -hmm. you got to take the time to do them. But um, if you've done a good job of that kind of stuff, then downstream, you're just going right. to see efficiency and efficiency and efficiency. Yeah, people trust what they're getting. And, right. Yeah. You know, right. And again, like to your point, you're getting it from the same source. You know. um, so let's back up a little bit because you brought up your uh, software survey. And let's kind of yeah. dive into uh -huh. that a little bit. And yeah. Kind of explain that you know, yeah. for people who aren't aware. And then maybe just maybe if you want to hit on some of the trends you saw this past sure. year. Yeah. So this all came out of me being curious as to sure. like who uses what and why. Yeah. Um, I, you know, stepping into a data analytics role, I thought the world resolved around, revolved around Aries, right? Yeah. Because that's, that was my Reservoir background, engineer, yeah. um, reservoir engineer, right? Like that's the way you think and spending more time thinking multidisciplinary, you start to really understand how important accounting systems are. You start to really understand what the role of a, a well lifecycle system, like a, a well view or an open yeah. wells or a well ease or whatever. You start to see how those different things matter and like, Okay, well, I think I understand who uses Aries and who uses PhDWin and now Combo Curve and all these others, sure. but I don't know anything about these others. So um, very early in our development was the idea of, well, why don't we just ask? Like, well, let's yeah. build a database. So um, we just published our second one a couple of weeks ago, um, 160 participants. We look at 10 different categories of, of ENP software and try to figure out who's using what, kind of slice it by public versus private, micro cap, small cap, mid cap, large sure. cap, a um, little bit of regional trends like P2 had a really effective sales force in Denver. Okay. And so Bolo and Excalibur have strong market share in Denver. Hmm. And then you go to Midland and nobody's even heard of those tools. <laughs> They're all using like Integra and Inertia because the salespeople for Integra and Inertia physically lived in Midland. Okay. Yeah. Right? Which like, is a big deal in Midland. It's a, it's a huge deal. Yeah. Right. You got to be. I think it's true everywhere. Like yeah. people in Tulsa want to talk to somebody in Tulsa and people in Bakersfield want to talk to somebody in Bakersfield. Yeah. And so you see like regionalism, you see this weird compartmentalization where certain tools will get used by all of the large companies and none of the small companies. <laughs> yeah. Like huge divisions there. Such as SAP. Oh, SAP. I mean, SAP is yeah, the classic example, was, yeah. right? And, you <laughs> know, like Ariba, SAP. Uh -huh. A lot of the accounting. So. Yeah, a lot of the, the accounting ERP definitely or, goes that way. Um, you know, like enterprise asset management tools get used by super majors and almost no one else, which is like enterprise asset management is useful. Yeah. Can you dive into like examples of that for people? So an, an EAM system would um, help you keep track of maintenance and 
material transfers. So yeah. like if I've got a compressor on pad number one and I'm going to move it over to pad yeah. number two, that touches the operations group. It touches accounting because they have to like do debits and credits between the owners of all of those. Mm-hmm. Sure. So an, an EAM is going to handle a lot of that kind of material for you. Yeah. Um, but you see it implemented at big companies and you simply don't see it at small yeah. companies. Um, you know, open wells right. still has a pretty good presence among large companies and almost no small companies use it anymore. Um, use it. Do you? Well, we, we inherited it from Equinor, so that makes oh, sense. Okay. I mean, yeah, like yeah. it was, it was the easiest. It was <laughs> well, path. and if you have a well-built implementation of open wells, why would you change? Yeah. Right. The cost to switch to another system would probably be. Yeah. No, Equinor had a good, did a good job and it was dollars? easy to, yeah, it was, it was really easy to, you know, yeah. slide Just over. Keep it going. And, yeah. Right. What are you seeing the small caps use? Or the independence for well for which category right uh, wells let's just wells yeah so like Wellview is the eight hundred pound gorilla mm-hmm. right like their market share is by far and away the biggest in North America um, Open Wells and Lois have you heard of Lois I've not heard of Lois Weatherford tool okay um, that I can't find on their website anymore but there's still <laughs> people who use Lois a little bit um, and then there's this just like wave of smaller ones so Wellies is probably next in line that's now a quorum product um then there's like petroside and rig reports which is just one the thing and um uh, point flow jeff hughes and those guys um there's sort of this like whole group of people who've gone ooh, wellview looks like a tasty target yeah Yeah. um well because i mean it's expensive i mean there's no way to it and then do people really need that you know like but it man you want to talk about a mercedes oh yeah you if if you've got open wells or wellview or any of those that are really fully implemented man you can do some amazing things in terms of cost tracking and like you know drilling optimization completion optimization if you've really got your hands on that data yeah the world's your oyster right yeah so many things what uh what kind of categories do y'all kind of break those down into as far as the software side of things yeah so uh we have a framework of Mm -hmm. course the big six is accounting reserves and planning um production allocation which people do not talk about enough in my opinion so important um daily well life cycle land and lease uh and then SCADA um those are the big six and then this year we added BI tools GIS um data subscriptions which was fascinating and (laughs) um rig scheduling tools Um, how was the data subscription I'm very curious I I kind of knew this, but I am horrified by the number of people who have both SMP Interdeck and Inveris Prism. Yeah. Um, it, and I'll tell you why it's Kingdom. It's King, it's Kingdom and Petra. Yeah. Um, and it's DI Courthouse. Yeah. Um, so the land guys love DI Courthouse and you will tear it from their cold dead hands. Mm-hmm. And the geologists love Petra and Kingdom and you will tear those from their cold dead <laughs> well, hands. Well, yeah, because when I mean, we look at it too, but like, I mean, Kingdom, it's, they have that direct connect to, to the data and it's like, Otherwise, it, it's it's a lot of effort if you were kind of taking Veris or Well Database or anyone and like there's ways to in. do it. There's ways to do it, but I mean, is it's not how much is it worth to you? Yeah, right. How much is S and P charging you, and is it worth you worth it to you to try to to do an end run around them? You know, what's fun that we we keep running into it at work is people still don't understand that API 14 is not a standard. So like, mm-hmm. oh, why can't I just marry my IHS and DI data and like like yesterday I pumped out a good enough you know because we're like we're not doing a basin wide well header right now we're not doing well master but if you want this like i'll 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 do it kind of the way you want and like and i was like this is okay this is going to be good enough for what you need it for you know but yeah. it's yeah going back to the even like the mdm like people think it's oh we can just it's the same data right you know like uh, kind of yeah no i mean that's that to me is one of the biggest misconceptions that i feel like tech people coming into the energy space that don't have much or any exposure into the energy space don't understand is that we have a shitload of data but we've been doing it for the last 30 plus years Mm -hmm. 40 years now uh as it happens and it comes in a million different formats well and like and one of the other crazy things that a lot of people just don't truly understand is that all of these your customer generates next to none of their own data like the operators don't generate much data themselves it's service literally all from pretty much every like you've got your production SCADA data but everything up to that point came from pretty much somebody else right and so like that's a huge problem when you're like oh yeah well you know because you just don't think about things right like if you're google and you know you're having people fill out a form you control everything about the data input both on the front end and the back end in oil and gas 
you don't control any of the front end stuff mm-hmm. and you hope that they can deliver it in a way that you want it to versus I know y'all are seeing that more and more in, you know, contracts and stuff, but it's, uh, yeah, without good data structure or standards, like yeah. it's a nightmare. I, I think IBM tries to claim <clears throat> proprietary ownership of this, but there's this framework of the three V's, uh, volume, velocity, and variety, mm-hmm. except for a couple of data sets. We do not have volume problems, yeah, no. except for a couple of data sets. We do not have velocity problems. Yep. We have variety problems, yep. 110%. Yeah. And so wrestling that kind of thing ends up being i mean that's been most of my career is a zillion v lookups and spreadsheets <laughs> yeah. trying to figure out like what's the right relationship if i'm doing acquisition and divestiture work it's always in spreadsheets yeah. right like that's well even like it's the nature of it i know we've had a number of discussions on the whiskey data nights about like just well id like what is what is how do you uniquely identify your wells and at what level <laughs> Right, and uh, you know. most companies use PropNum yeah. from Aries yeah. for good reasons. Yes, yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing. Like, it you don't have to create your own standard; just pick one and stick pick with one. it. Well, right? yeah, like, the Aries, cost center, the Aries or already tech creates the first well master in your company, anyway. So they're pulling in the spud date and they're mm-hmm. pulling it like, yeah. I mean, and they're just keeping it up ad hoc. But like, yep. I have a couple of clients that I would like to introduce you to, and <laughs> have you persuade them of that? Yeah, it works really well. Yeah, right. It's it's the cheapest MDM you could possibly do. Yeah, is just to treat the reserve system as the master well list and and tell everybody else either you need to match to what right. is in the reserve system or you need to convince the reserves engineer that they're wrong, Yeah, which is usually hard. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But like that approach of just choosing a system and saying this is the source of truth, you either match to them or you convince them that they're wrong. Yeah, that makes a lot of things simpler. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't I want to make sure that all the service companies are also listening to this <laughs> as someone who has worked at a service company most of my career. Um, you know, when Bobby and I were working together, when we were building out our data platform and stuff, I was one of the, the system that we were using internally was kind of like a low code, no code, you know, yeah, quick uh, base, very like flexible. Yeah, we can use quick base. Um, but you know, we had a wells table. And so for every job, there's obviously a well that we would go out to, but it was just a, text field and i'm like there is no way that we can keep doing (laughs) this just off of whoever is setting up the well typing in whatever they believe the well name is or whatever the consultant on the phone told them the well name is and so we finally got us to integrate via an api through a data provider so they would put in the state and county and then they'd start typing the well name and it would pick list maybe pick list Oof. And then it pull in all the header information, the lat long, the API long. numbers so to give you all this stuff, right? And yeah. a standard naming convention. And it's like, yeah. this makes everything so much easier. Yeah. just like out of the gate. Well, and can we all agree that hashtags are for Twitter, <laughs> not for well names? <laughs> yes. Is that a, yeah. I, I think I, you know, the uh, save the strippers bumper stickers. Mm-hmm. I think I can yeah. make bumper stickers that say hashtags are for Twitter, <laughs> not for well names and drive around Midland and see oh, yeah. if anybody laughs. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Brian McDowell. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. Get a new one at tour. Yeah, but. you've seen some wear. Um, <laughs> no, I wholeheartedly agree. But uh, yeah, I I think that stuff is fascinating. Like the the size of the oil and gas uh, software market, it's not small. No. It is not small, and I don't think that enough E and P companies really understand what their options are. Yeah, I don't think they understand the perspective of the software vendors. Like, man, ARR is everything. Yep in the software business and as a reservoir engineer i never cared about that there is no such thing as arr when you constantly have a declining yeah that old concept was new to me so annually recurring revenue for the folks in the back like that's that is the metric that matters and if you're asking a software company to do something that isn't going to help their arr why should they say yes yeah um those are yeah but i mean i can look at Aries and some of these companies that haven't really had to change like ever or inertia or, you know, it's like the printing money. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, and those, that's the easiest job. I mean, if you want to hook someone up, get them a account rep. Deal I tell you who you guys need to get on the podcast is Dave Wysocki. Okay. Uh, product manager for Aries. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's a super smart guy. Um, I would love that. He was, it was their customer success before people called it customer success. He was their customer <laughs> success manager okay. for a long time. And last I heard he was the product manager over there. And uh, yeah, like, is there another piece of software that has been trash talked on <laughs> Digital Wildcatters <laughs> podcast more than yeah. Aries? Than Aries? 
Um, and yet it's still number one by market yeah. share yeah. far and away. Yeah. Well, it's funny too, because you can see, I mean, even down to the ops level with things like uh, the EDR from Payson and those guys from the early days, right? Like if you can establish first mover, like you, the first mover advantage in the oil field is a big is a big well, I mean like comic curve is up against it with because the banks use Aries like mm-hmm. so the, even if you do all your crap in comic curve it's still got to go out to an Aries database that someone can you know like although I think they've I think they've dealt with that pretty well yeah, though because you yeah. can share if you've you got a comic curve database you can give it you can give somebody else the ability to log in or at least yeah. you could yeah. as of a couple of years ago and so if I'm a bank engineer I could receive a database run my price sensitivity tweak a couple of decline curves yeah get my summaries in one lines to do my engineering underwriting and I don't actually need to pay for a license. So okay. there's there's some things there. Again, yeah, I mean, getting back to like commercial models, how do you make it so that that barrier goes away? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and you're not going to change that overnight. No. You know, either, but. But like uh, PhD Win, back in the 90s, the way that they got market share was they literally sent free trial uh, CD-ROMs yeah. AOL to, model. yeah, it was the AOL model. They sent free trial CD-ROMs to ENP companies. I, the story I heard is they literally put Reservoir Engineer as the person it was going to when they okay. didn't even know who it was. That's yeah, and just freaking put him in the mail, and people stuck it in their computer and played around with it. It's like, oh yeah, this is pretty nice. And then thirty days later, you know, the- hey, you want to you want to pay for this? <laughs> I'm just oh man, I'm just envisioning the IT departments like today if, Ringe, I guess. if, if you do, REs are just taking well, devices there, out so of the mail and plugging them in right? here, plug <laughs> like in the, the equivalent of that today is like comical to think about well that's what you did back then right like, but their their target market wasn't companies that had big robust it right, departments their target market was mineral owners right, right. and family offices yeah. and you know two-man operators who yeah no for why sure. not i think that's the big thing like because it is so hard to i mean whether it's ihs or you know some of the the big reservoir software companies once they have that foothold it's so hard to kind of break the industry from it i mean even looking at like microsoft as a whole right but being a like combo curve in my opinion has been so successful because they were users of those products they knew the problems with them and they built the new thing to be able to handle that mm-hmm. or and have continued to do so and so i think that's a just a little nugget for everybody out there building software in the oil field if if you're a newcomer to the market, uh, it doesn't have to be, you know, this big grandiose thing. Just make shit easier. Make mm-hmm. things in yeah. <laughs> integration out of the gate is something that is shockingly unique in our industry still. Yeah. For so sure. one thing I'm curious about, say in the, in the survey, and again, people need to go read it too. Right. But, um, <laughs> is, if you don't have a copy, send me an email. We can, we'll figure it out. Yeah. But, um, how many people are like, say sole source, like quorum or, Peloton, you know, because like you know, Peloton has a pretty full suite. I mean, how many how many people like say, all right, I'm gonna I'm use Peloton for Wellview, SiteView, whatever, Landview, right. and like same thing with Quorum now that they've got, they buy everything, right? So I mean, like, how many people are act- are actually doing that? Because we're like the antithesis of that. I would say uh, it rounds to zero. Yeah. Um. So I, I mean, there are very very few companies that have really gone all in. Most people are taking a more diverse approach, and I think a lot of that is because of the way the companies get built. Sure. Right. So like. I, hey, I bought asset A and right. they had these software packages. I bought asset B and it had those software. And, and I just kind of picked and chose, um, you know, Quorum's on-demand platform and what they're trying to do there is, from my perspective, a pretty new concept. Yeah. Um, there have been other software providers who could have done that, but they never aligned things to the way that Quorum has. Okay. Um, I'm not familiar with that. So could you... So Quorum uh, now sells, I think, by my count, like 35 or 40 different pieces of software. Um, they merged with Alcerna because they were both owned by Toma Bravo. Um, but over the last six, eight years, they probably made, if you count it all up, probably 20 separate acquisitions. So the on-demand platform is now a series of things that they acquired. So they acquired OGSIS, which is now on-demand accounting. Um, Wellies, which is now on-demand operations, Field Insights, which is owned by Fielding, that's now on-demand production. Land Docs is now on-demand land. So it's, that's a really unique thing. I don't know of anybody else who's ever tried that. Peloton kind of got partway there with yeah. Wellview and Prodview, and to my knowledge, those were all homegrown. But they never had an accounting solution. They still don't. 
Right. Yeah, and, I was just out with one of their guys who's on the land use side the other day, and he's like, "Yeah, we don't have accounting, probably yeah. won't." Yeah, and that's and a, that hurts that's him on the land side because you know, when he wants to sell the land yeah, thing, right? I mean, land and accounting need to be yeah, yeah, yeah. hand in glove. But when um, you say on demand, is it literally? I can spin it up and these are all cloud. Or, yeah, they're paid by the. I I assume that I'm pretty sure they're paid by the month. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of approaches, you know, wellies and a lot of other tools in that space have moved towards like dollar per report per day commercial models. Yeah. So instead of like it's going to be a hundred grand a year, it's right. fifty dollars per report per day or whatever they're charging. Um, and so it can it it's much more usage oriented. Right. Feels nicer when you're signing up for it from a. Or it's, it can be scarier though too. It's like is, it can get out of what hand. What if we ramp up and right, we're going right. to spend a ton of money? Yeah, it's just like the cloud versus on yeah. prem. It's like, yeah, oh, this is cheap. Yeah, I can do this. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. make sure you turn it off at right. night, or make sure you know <laughs> that you don't auto scale <laughs> yeah. it and you know leave yeah. it on. I mean, I mean, there definitely were a lot of companies, and still are a lot of companies that like they're using Bolo or Excalibur for accounting, and they're using Merrick for production allocation, yeah. but. P2 never had a daily well lifecycle okay. competitor, right? Uh, or a SCADA competitor. So like when you think about it from the larger yeah. tech stack. You get further out there, it's almost impossible. But I mean, but I guess like, I mean, I guess I would think full, uh, being all in with Peloton would be having like well view, site view, land view, you know, having that whole stack. You well, know, and like, you get all these benefits like a shared well list between those systems, yeah. right? Like there's some cool things that would happen there. Yeah. Um, If you, if you pushed in all your chips. Yeah. So... But I, I, to answer your question, almost no. That's kind of what I figured, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's talk more kind of about some of the cool projects that you guys have worked on or or even just kind of your experience doing those projects. And, you know, what are some of the, the interesting, useful things that you've, or kind of unique things that you've seen people yeah. do or implementations that you've done? And what are some things you would recommend people not because <laughs> yeah, that's the most important to bolo yeah. <laughs> don't, don't. 3d data models you should call uh there's a provider that flattens that uh into sql tables um yeah so we do a lot of microsoft work because it departments like it um so on-prem sql server still works great man ssis is a freaking tank um so a lot of projects doing that uh, more and more we prefer working on azure data factory um yeah. you know the the pricing, the capabilities, all those kinds of things really in and out of Azure SQL is just like, it's so nice. Yeah. Um, it's all serverless. It scales up, it scales out. The lowest cost um, database, I think is $15 a month. I think, I think I, they, that's I, stupid. I think they have a, like a free tier now on Azure SQL. It just came out like, Oh really? I mean, it's up it maybe like however many hours in a month, it may be close to that. And it okay. may be like the lowest tier, Yeah, but like, yeah, I think you can do like basically a free Azure SQL now. Yeah. So most of our clients and, and smaller companies, right? We might need like the second tier at like fifty dollars a right. month yeah. during construction. But once we're done with construction, we can often drop them back to yeah fifteen dollars a month. That is crazy. Yeah. And I mean, there's and similar. And you don't have to worry about uptime. You're not. Yeah, you're not worried about any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's all using your Microsoft Failover, authentication. Yeah. And I mean, you have the same options on AWS and Google, and right. there are multiple things out there that I think provide pricing competition so that Microsoft can't just like turn the screws on yeah. you because then they'll start losing. But if you're pretty much all in on Microsoft, like I, man, that's, that's really effective. Um, yeah, look at what, look at how valuable integrated <laughs> software becomes when, when well, it's done it's just, well, right? <laughs> you know, if you go back, let's say 20 years ago and you were at an EMP company saying that you wanted to do a data warehousing project, you were probably talking about a million dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you go back five years ago, you're probably talking about a, a hundred thousand dollars. And now yeah, it's 15 bucks. Yeah. If, I mean, you will that. spend way more time, way more money on people to right. get it configured properly, but you might spend 20 grand, right. Yeah. To get <laughs> right. it stood up and configured properly yeah. compared to the costs in the past. And, and just crazy. A much shorter time frame oh yeah. yeah 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 we did a project recently um somebody was converting from one production allocation system to another and they were in the overlap period so they're running both and they could see top line that the old system had 1200 barrels a day and the new system had 1300 and they couldn't figure out why and so in 72 hours we pulled both back-end databases matched up the well list and built a dashboard that showed them where their deltas were 72 hours like that's yeah. stupid yeah um that that kind of thing you you could probably have done if you had a really really good team 10 years ago but um the capabilities now are just a lot better you know get the credentials stand up the database and you're 
you're off to the races. What kind of cool stuff are you doing in, in power apps? Cause I, I think that's, I think a lot of daily engineers use it probably more than it departments. Oh know, God, that scares the crap out of me. Or realize, <laughs> um, but it, again, it's, it's it, all of that goes back to one. We're engineers. We like to tinker shit and solve problems. That's just ingrained in us. Mm-hmm. And two, serving the data to the user where they want it. Mm-hmm. And as an engineer, if you, if you can't or refuse to serve it to me here, I will find a way to get it there, whether that's exporting CSVs or whatever, I will mm-hmm. find a way to, to solve the problem at the end of the day. So I'm curious because I think, you know, like I've said before, I use Zapier. I, I love a lot of these no code, low code type things for, especially for like just moving data around or moving mm-hmm. it from one place to another, or just these little automations for recurring stuff. So yeah, kind so of, uh, we've, we've done a few projects. Um, my bias is if there is an enterprise software application that does the thing that you're thinking about building a power app for, you should probably buy the enterprise software application, yeah. right? Like, especially what's that? They'll maintain it. They'll maintain it. They'll, yeah. you know, there'll be Document the network it, effects of one of their other clients has an idea that turns out that it would be useful for you. Right. And it just shows up in the product next month. Like, yeah. Those things don't happen when you're on a power app. Um, so I think step one, you got to go to market and figure out whether or not there's a competing right. thing that could do the thing you want efficiently. Assuming the answer to that is no, we've done some pretty cool little things. Like you can, um, we built a power app to do like task tracking for um, for field operations. So like, hey, there's a leaking flange or somebody needs to hot oil well number 63. I've got a Smartphone app on my phone, Microsoft authentication, super cheap. And I can poke that in, take a picture, submits it to a database and and rolls through to like a Kanban style mm-hmm. uh, task board. There are things like that where you can fill a little gap that's like, okay, yeah. there maybe there's an enterprise software application out there, but it's a hundred grand a year. Right. When there's so many of those like little there are, manual processes in the oil yeah. field that I mean, I know like, well we we talked to you guys about owner relations. Like yes, yeah, I built a yeah. you know little hacky thing uh-huh. yeah it works for us it's fine but like i mean y'all were doing something more robust yeah know? yeah we've we've built a, a microsoft dynamics um proof of concept around owner relations yeah. um to be able to deal with incoming calls there's not a lot of software applications out there I, I know of one or two um and so potentially that's a spot where there's a gap and it makes sense but put, um, a, put an ai behind it to answer all our questions <laughs> yeah yeah well, i mean the, step one is just like Feed that thing a pick list from your ERP. Right. So you have the list of owners available to yeah. choose from. Like this <laughs> is not pick lists are really useful, right? Right. Um, that kind of thing I think makes life a lot better. Cool. Yeah. You got I've been talking. Yeah. No, it's I mean it's all good. Uh, like, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm more like the color guy, you know what I mean? <laughs> but <laughs> um <clears throat> and, yeah. Back up yeah. and tell people a little bit more just that may or may not be familiar with Power Apps. Uh, I assume most people are because, again, most people are Microsoft shops. But Yeah, the the group of people that listen to this podcast are pretty nerdy and also yeah. probably on Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Microsoft has this notion of the Power Platform that is Power BI, Power Apps, and Power Automate. Power Apps is a low-code, no-code application development platform. Power Automate is like cloud powershell kind of like etl mm. process automation kinds of things it used to be called microsoft flow right it did yeah, yeah. and they still call they the call individual them, objects call as flows, flows. Yeah. yeah um it's and so only gripe with microsoft is they keep changing oh they their name the is names terrible on everything. I mean, like, like entra so id terrible. now yeah oh my god don't yeah. get started about that <laughs> um the uh so a lot of times what if you're trying to stitch together a solution you may have a combination of all three of those yeah so power apps might be the user interface it drives a power automate script that move some data around and then you've got a visualization layer that's going to happen in power bi um so they kind of stitch those together um yeah i I, i'm really interested in that space i think there's a lot of cool things that can be done Uh, it fits nicely into a typical it environment um there's some things there that are pretty cool but if there's an enterprise software application (laughs) on the market you should look at that first (laughs) you can talk to the dataverse as well i mean yeah we haven't played much with dataverse just on the power apps projects but it's it's basically like an Azure SQL instance on steroids yeah. that you just get when you Use start a power stuff, app. Yeah. Um, so that's the storage layer behind all. And Dynamics that. is kind of part of that too, right? Dynamics also uses Dataverse as the backend. Yeah. Um, it kind of comes with a pre-built data model for like customers and 
transactions and things like that. And so like if you're using Dynamics for your accounting system, which is one thing I talk about in the um, software survey, I now know of two pretty damn big E&P companies that are using Dynamics well, for accounting. One that, yeah, one that we just onboarded. I don't know if that's one of the ones he talked or talking about, but yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when I said when they said they were using it, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> but the, I, that is like, I think that's the biggest potential shape shakeup in the top end of the E&P accounting space in a long time. Because like Dynamics has a very high ceiling for accounting work. Yeah. Um, and if they can, if they can really prove a track record and start to displace SAP, that's like, that is some big news. Yeah. But it's interesting because like there's different sides of Dynamics too, right? I mean, like we're talking about it as a ERP type thing. CRM. But it's a CRM as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, like there's kind of mm-hmm. very... I I have been trying to figure out what y'all were talking about because I was like, I know dynamics. Why do I know dynamics? It's because of the CRM piece. Mm-hmm. I was like, but that can't be what they're talking about. No, for, it, for it's the same thing. Well, SAP has the same sort of structure. There's a SAP CRM. I didn't know that. Um, Oracle had a CRM right. uh, in addition to accounting system because a lot of the infrastructure you would need to have an effective accounting system, right. you would also need for a good CRM. Right. Complex database, the ability to run batch processing, all that stuff. All the relationships um, and yeah. stuff, yeah. So, and that's kind of like cloud. You, know, you don't manage that. I mean, it's cause, all Because SAP, do a lot of people host? A lot of people host their own SAP, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then even just, you know, for us, you know, we've got, you know, our accounting system, it's SaaS, but it's them hosting a SQL server, you know, hosting yeah. it all like on their servers, you know, but it's mm-hmm. like Dynamics is truly like almost like a, Kind of a, there's an old version of dynamics that's on prem yeah i guess kind of like sharepoint used to be as well mm-hmm. but but i mean like now like you log into dynamics you're not worried about infrastructure it's just or a web processing browser. power that's mm-hmm. all handled for you kind of behind the scenes so. yeah so i i think that's a really interesting thing that i'm i'm yeah. kind of curious to see that especially that when you pair that with power bi and automate and right all of the, you're on e5 licenses and it's right. all it's all off to the races so i like i don't want to I don't want to be a determinist about it, but you just look at the market environment for it. It's like, man, that is going to be compelling to mm-hmm. a lot of people. Yeah. Um, That's the biggest thing. But how much customization do you have to do to make it work for say oil and gas or, I mean. I mean, there's a couple of things like, like Power BI can't import shape files. Yeah. Right. So there's a couple of things like that that are limitations that you need to figure out how you're going to manage. There are things you can do, but um yeah, I, there are certainly some things that aren't ready to go for an oil and gas company. Yeah. Um, but America, Microsoft builds that so that all industries can use it. Yeah. Right. Um, no, definitely, definitely interesting. <laughs> you did it worth taking a look at it at the very least. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, well, sure. and that's, I mean, that's again, going back to it's people don't, when my prior company that I was working at was a edge hardware startup. And uh, it, I don't know how many months in. I started to realize that the sell for edge was so much harder because none of the operators have costs for cloud because they get given all these cloud credits so that they will stay with Microsoft normally or AWS or both. And so it's, it's one of those things that I'm very curious to see, like it's brilliant, obviously long game, infinite game perspective, but I'm very curious to see once everyone, (laughs) once all those credits are up, everyone has to start really paying for all this stuff on each platform, how that's going to kind of shake things up. And like wind and solar in the inner. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Zing. Got them. We're about all energy here. Addition. Yeah. Energy addition. Just quit quit calling it transition. We're not transitioning at all. (laughs) No. um, I mean, probably last thing to get into before we kind of hit the lighting, lighting around, but you want to hit on something like the trainings and maybe just kind of how that feeds into, I mean, I'm sure it's gotta be a, yeah. So obviously there's some really good Spotfire uh, for oil and gas trading offerings out there. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of what like Blue River and Brian McDowell and yeah. Sabata do. Um, if you're a Spotfire user and you're not getting training, like, man, you should go do that because there's probably things in Spotfire that you Don't would you benefit from learning yeah. how to do. Absolutely. You know, watch the Tipco Analytics Forum was just recently yeah. really cool presentations. Get trained, whatever you're using. Um, when we started trying to implement Power BI at Great Western, I went looking for a Power BI for oil and gas class and yeah. could not find one. Yep. Um, so we built a curriculum. Um, I'm the instructor for Saga Wisdom, which oh, nice. Nice. shout out to those guys. Yeah, I love uh, Mike Wazdecki and yep. John Thompson and that whole crew. Um, so we we have the video on demand offering that and then we do in-person Power BI classes. Nice. Um, you know, again, like uh, Power BI is not the perfect solution, but um, it, it makes sense. So 
it made sense for us to invest the money necessary to build a, a real curriculum. So we use like yeah. uh, an oil and gas general ledger. We Perfect. use an Aries database. We use uh, the SPE production rates okay. and pressures data set. So actual oil and gas data for nice. training, which is fun. Um, one thing I've always thought about, and maybe I'll do it or maybe you're already doing it, but um, is like to do a Power BI for Spotfire users. Yeah. Of course, Ooh. where it's like, yep, that's well, a, I can do over functions, yeah. you know, because that yep. is not a trivial thing to do actually in power. So Group. I have like, like a 10 page slide deck that I give a lot talking about that transition. Because yeah. um, like Spotfire expression language is SQL based yep. and DAX is Excel based. Mm -hmm. And there's some big logical differences between those. But like an actual hour long course, that sounds kind of, I should do that. McCall, that sounds fun. I would love to, we would. We at DW would love to host that in Collide and yeah. where, wherever else we can. That'd be fun. That's yeah. Because yeah. it's like, all right, I do over functions no, or I do this thing. That how was, do I? How do I map? Yeah. That was yeah. the biggest. I mean, that was the hardest part when I first started using it was I was so used to the way that Spotfire's GUI was set up and their interface and how you, where you did these things that that was the biggest learning curve for Power BI is it's like, hey, on the back end, it's just a different place. Right. Yeah. Everything's but in a slightly different just place. Just like the different ways you do it, right? Like the binning where it's located how you do it and like what they call the certain just the nomenclatures and some of that stuff as some you of get the limitations a little, as well too really. as you get a little farther along like the data modeling in power bi is totally different yeah. from the data yeah. modeling in spotfire i think it's a lot more powerful i think it has a higher ceiling but it it doesn't matter whether it's powerful or not it's just so different that yeah. it scrambles people's brains and then dax like the calculate oh, function yeah. and filter context but i think some of that even comes together because right? i mean again you're supposed to use a star schema and if you have it in a good star schema then dax is much better but if you're bringing in one big table into power bi then it becomes a lot more wonky to try to i, call those, work I call those franken tables yeah <laughs> <laughs> no uh, that's that's my own my biggest gripe with power bi is that i had to learn two languages instead of yeah. just the one and that's the only like negative of it but but i never write m I never write M code at all. I read M code. Yeah. Maybe I'll edit one or two things, but I let I let Power Query write all of my M for me. I'm too lazy for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, unless you had to slide a parameter in somewhere say, or whatever. But I mean, there's, there's those but numbers, again, never have you, to do that. But even then, like I'm actually do that more like in Excel because if there's like a little date selector that they want, and then they run the Power Query to filter only on certain dates or whatever. But even then, like yeah, you you do your clicks to to create the code and then just go in and swap out like get date or whatever mm -hmm. for you know point it to that mm -hmm. cell in the spreadsheet or whatever but. yeah yeah uh no it's cool and i i think the big message from my perspective is whatever tool you're using get some freaking training yeah. right like yeah. if you're on tableau if you're on you know og sys if you're on wellview like take the time to get training we as an industry stopped training people in on Thanksgiving of 2014 yeah. and we have not restarted yet. Um, I'm mid career. Maybe this is my old man rant, but like, come on, we, we got to no. get people. No, I mean, if you're that, that's when I got into the industry and like, I saw both sides in like six months, like, and I, and I benefited <laughs> from what you're saying. Like, yeah, I got in July, 2014 and I went to two, you know, petroleum engineering for non-engineers courses. They sent me to do a Tibco Spotfire training. I mean, I got three or four, like, whether in horse in house or like sent me out to go get trained. But then, yeah, that stopped. And like that would have been a totally different story if I'd come in one year later. Your like, worker yeah. productivity is completely different. Yeah, yeah. totally different. Yeah, one. Well, I mean, you're spending all the money on these tools. Why aren't you? Yeah. Tra also training I, the people. One of the things I like them. to say to kind of provoke people is, "What have you done in the last twelve months to improve your worker productivity?" And what are you going to do in the next 12 months to improve your worker productivity? And if the answer to both of those questions is nothing, yeah, not going to make it. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I kind of took a nugget from Brian McDowell because uh, for some of his um, consulting companies, he goes and does like office hours. Mm -hmm. So like we actually just started, we did our first one yesterday. Oh, nice. But like where our team cuts out an hour and a half every other week. And like, come ask us questions. Yeah. Like, you know, let us help you or like, listen to other people ask. Yeah. Questions. And again, people can right. listen in because it's a conference room or they can come into the room. But like, again, I help someone with a power automate. You know, we were helping someone with their spot fire. You know, hey, where do I find this data? I mean, like, but yeah. And I saw people I hadn't ever talked to like that. They it was just a different forum for them to ask questions, mm -hmm. you know, so. Well, and it's cool. And that's the cool one of the cool parts about a lot of the low code, no code stuff, power apps and all of that is that, you know, it allows those non technical users who understand you the know, business the yeah. business or the subject matter or whatever to be able to come in and and have contribute better productivity 
because someone that's removed from it has no idea until right. they come screaming at Bobby about it and they need it in an hour, you know? Um, cool. And get into the speed round. Yeah. yeah I don't want to be late for my flight. Right. I was going to ask you about the production allocation real quick. Yes. Because I know that that's an interesting one. And I wholeheartedly agree with you that no one ever talks about it. And so I'm curious kind of what, what the survey and, and your thoughts yeah. and experience are on that. So Merrick is the 800 pound gorilla there. Um, they have the big market share. And then there's just, I think we have like 22 other pieces of software that are in the survey there. Plus I think another five companies have their own in-house built production right. allocation system. Uh, one of the big themes in the survey is the long tail. So there's this handful of applications that have really, really strong market share. Right. And then there's literally <laughs> hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pieces of software that a few people use, a few companies use. Uh, and that's very true in production allocation. Yeah. And if those companies are running lean enough, they just printing their own little, <laughs> own little money. Yeah. Like yeah. And, and, and as long as they make sure and... that their current customers are happy enough to, you know, to pay the maintenance bill last year, yeah. it's very difficult to kill old pieces of software. Yeah. Yeah. Very difficult. Um, they keep working. I mean, <laughs> they keep working. Right. And so that, that's definitely the thing going on there. I do think, you know, like ERPs, <clears throat> you mentioned being in the cloud on accounting. That's pretty unusual right now. Yeah. Um, production allocation is moving to the cloud a lot more quickly. SCADA is moving to the cloud a lot more quickly yeah. uh, versus ERPs where there's SOX compliance and and some auditability that you need and things like CICD, you know, yeah. continuous integration. Because even like you're saying like that, because I know we've got like three or four different environments for the, you know, they, they try something right. in dev and test and then they can push it to, you know, prod or, you know, like CICD and SOX compliance can go together, but it's a lot of work, man. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot of work. Um, and so I think accounting will generally be the last, uh, to go cloud. Yeah. We need to do a, just like a sock two episodes. Yeah, I would love to have a pro and an anti guest on both sides <laughs> of that. Just here yeah. talking it out just because that's, I mean, that's, we, we were so under the gun That'd be interesting. on that. Yeah, I've been talking to, you know, Brian Becker from BKB. Or, I do. Yeah. I had a, a beverage with him just like two weeks ago. Nice. Yeah. yeah. He and I've been chatting a good bit lately, but he probably, I told him when he's in town, we need to have him on. He's a cybersecurity guy. So yeah. he'd probably yeah. be able to speak all about that. It's so far outside my expertise. Upset. I'm yeah. interested in it, but I don't know. Oh yeah. I mean, it. well, I mean, I even, I ended up referring to, I got a buddy I coach softball with and he's getting into cybersecurity from like being a chiropractor. And he's asking me like, yeah, he was he was he was over it. Yeah, but it, he he's also he's he's uh, legally deaf, so like he's trying to get in, but he, you know change careers, like find something. But I was like, dude, I know a lot about the tech. I don't know anything about the cybersecurity space. Yeah. So I was talking to Brian. And he's like, oh yeah, send him my way. And I guess he's been really helpful. But um, yeah, he's a really good dude. There's so many different areas of expertise that are required. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's it's one of those things that I feel like like operators are requiring it. Like it's more and more across the board, but. I don't feel like a lot of people truly understand. Well, you, well, you have to be compliant like, if you're public, right? You have to be SOC too if you're compliant. I have no clue. Yeah. Usually the accounting auditors will force you. Yeah. And that's a, that'll be a good one. Yeah. Speed round? Yeah. Let's get into it. So at the end of the show, we like to just pepper you with random questions. Just yeah, to, quick answers. Yeah. Um, and they're going to be all over the place. So the first one I'm going to ask is favorite uh, video or board game? Uh, so civilization two cost me like three C's, uh, my freshman year of school. So favorite and least favorite kind of all up in one. Um, yeah, I, I basically like had to quit playing video games in order to, to successfully get my engineering degree. I understand that. Um, my GPA did a, a giant rise over, mm -hmm. over the time there. Uh, Civ two old school games, subspace. Anybody ever play subspace? No, that was another one that harmed my gpa okay yeah it was a, it was a really early massive multiplayer online game dude those MMO flew around a little plane or a little spaceship and shot people it was fun those uh it's amazing how many of those games there are and how successful so many of them are it's just and insane. now profitable because of all the in-game right. purchase stuff oh yeah, yeah all the yeah, <laughs> yeah the fact yeah. that video games have just completely flipped their models now where it's like the game's free everything every cool thing you want in it you're gonna pay for it but mm -hmm. I'm cool with that because yeah. I'm cheap and I don't need all the cool fancy. I don't need the Spider-Man skin, you know, like I don't care. I just want to shoot, play on call of duty and have some 12 year olds, uh, 
trash talk you. Trash talk me. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Is there a uh, new piece of software in oil and gas you're excited about? A uh, new piece of software. I mean, I'm I am genuinely excited about a lot of the um, new cloud native software startups that are doing rapid, rapid development. Yeah. You know, moving really fast. And I I try not to name names Fair. and pick favorites because the yeah that's yeah. right. Um, but just the the number of entrepreneurs that are in the space right now trying to do something cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm really interested in like the history of energy tech and. A, a similar thing happened in the late 80s. So a bunch of people that got laid off in 84, 85, yeah, right. 86 went off and started software companies that are like the technology bedrock of the, the industry yeah, today. Using now, yeah. um, you know, all these really, really important tools that got released in the late 80s and early 90s. Um, that's been happening since 2014 yeah. for us as an industry. And I, I think that's exciting. Yeah. Um, it's a little overwhelming because there's so damn yeah. many things you available to, keep, to buy. Because yeah. you're um, helping people kind of try. Yeah, right. right. Um, but it's it's exciting. And, it, and, it, and if nothing else, just to put pressure on the old incumbents is a huge benefit yeah. for the industry. Yeah, huge at least benefit. And put some pressure. I mean, they don't have a monopoly, essentially. Like, right. Yeah. No, I think that's, again, that's been one of the big things historically, right? Is it's like, for so long, there was just monopolies across all these mm -hmm. big software platforms that like there were no incumbents. Yeah, I wish I had a version of my software survey from 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. And to see how different it's that, changed. Yeah, that'd be pretty really cool. cool. Um, let's go with either favorite or most interesting, exciting uh, open source, either software and or Git repo or library. Man, I I just don't work in open source. I think this is true of a lot of like ENP engineers. I always worked for a company that bought right. expensive software. You know, yeah. SaaS used to cost an absolute oh, yeah. fortune. And we we had like a hundred licenses at at Exxon. Yep. Um I poked around in R, I poked around in Python. Um, but it's just never been a big part of my career. Yeah. I've always been curious about it. You know, I did the usual thing in college of like playing around with Linux and mm -hmm. stuff like that, but yeah. it just never got I never got deep into it when what I really wanted to do was like be a useful reservoir engineer. <laughs> yeah. And in order to do that in my career, I used right. the tools expensive that were given to you, tools yeah. that my company paid for for me to use. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, I mean, I. Yeah, I don't, I don't even have anything. Power apps. <laughs> Certainly not open source. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, I mean, those low code, no code tools kind of I feel like fall into that pseudo open source realm almost is uh is notepad plus plus open source yeah i think so that? we call think that so. yeah. it's gonna be software that. yeah that is my that is a, a, a bit tool of, of scratch pad class SQL editor taste. yeah whatever. yeah yeah those are we need a open one second Giant. frack data yeah yeah notepad plus <laughs> that's exactly plus, why i know yeah. what that mm. is <laughs> that's literally why i had to download it because i <laughs> could not find anything to open those files but it's got all those filters now where you I can know, put on great. the the color coding for different languages yeah. and mm -hmm. stuff like it's that's really nice yeah, yeah like an intellisense kind of thing or yeah yeah or yeah, the yeah. smart highlighting but or yeah just they added all these little gui features right like is it comma separated or tab mm -hmm. separate like you just click the button and it yeah. reformats everything if your it department does not let you use notepad plus plus then complain because yeah. it's really great yeah no. yeah we're well i'm like i, I got local admin so i'm good <laughs> <laughs> um no, no complaints about my IT, but uh, I am the IT. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, who's your favorite social social media follow? Gosh, social media follow. So I'm a I'm a massive Twitter lurker. Okay, I do not post. In fact, my my tag is longtime lurker. Yeah. So that's uh, great. Um, you know, I I really loved uh oh not. Not Ken Lay, but the other uh, Jeff Skilling. Oh God, yeah. Uh, the the Mister and Mrs. Skilling stuff yes. was just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I miss. I miss uh, oh, that. That was 2017, 2018. Like like when EFT really started taking COVID. off and like. Yep. Oh, it was like magic. The, uh, Phantom. And like <laughs> there some like so there were just some really good. And then you know we had one of them on actually early uh, episodes. Uh, and, and it's it's like watching OG. Yeah. It's like watching a car crash when you can see somebody kind of like fall apart online. I this is part of why I lurk is because I'm worried that someday oh, yeah. I might. Yeah, you'll be the uh, I'll be the one that people are sending me screenshots of. Can you believe what this guy posted? But um, <laughs> it is it's a spectator sport. For oh, me. yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, what about either favorite or just most like impactful, interesting kind of books that you've uh, 
whether it be tech energy or otherwise yeah um i know you guys love crossing the chasm everybody yeah everybody loves that i did a book that's out of print now that i'm a huge fan of um it's called the data asset uh, a guy named tony fisher wrote it for the SAS institute okay okay like in the 90s or something um and it's one of those books where you just need to read like the first two chapters but they he really talks about how like if you're going to treat data as an asset you better figure out how you're going to get a return on that asset there's three ways you increase revenue you decrease expenses or you reduce risk. Those are the only three ways. Yeah. And if you can't tie a technology project to a financial statement outcome that does one of those three things, why oh, are yeah. you doing it? Yeah. And maybe you should stop. Uh, and I, I, I first read that book probably five, six years ago, and it really kind of turned on my head like, oh, wait, wait, wait. I, I'm yeah. in love with this idea because I think it's cool, but I can't tie it yep. to a financial statement. And yeah, so no, it's, we, it's fun to play with. It's a cool technology. Right. But is it really, is this moving the needle? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's great advice too for all the uh, software folks. A hundred percent. Right. Well, cause that's exactly how pretty much every, you know, it took me forever to realize that every operator, the first thing they think about when they make a decision is risk. Like, yeah because the risks are so great in yeah. both mm -hmm. of them, right? Like, especially down at the operation level. And so once you like understand that and you realize that, hey, it can't just be this one, 2% incremental thing for them to completely rip and replace from whatever they're currently yeah. using. It has to be a very substantial, also very clearly defined yeah. uh, and understood value prop. And then you can start getting people's attention, yeah. right? When you're selling a commodity, you do, yeah. usually don't have that much control over your revenue. Mm -hmm. So I think most of the time, EMP companies need to be focused on reduce mm -hmm. expenses or reduce risk. Yep. Those are the two things that you can really get a job done on. So that I, I highly recommend that book. I don't know why, but there are literally hundreds of copies of that book on eBay, even though it's out of print. Like okay. they, SAS must have given it away as yeah. like a, you know, a gimme at some yeah, conference yeah. or something. But uh, so you can usually pick one up on eBay. It's it's worth reading. Yeah, cool. yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah, me too. That's All right. Good. So I know, I know you got a boogie, but where yeah. can people find you? All the places. Uh, <laughs> Longtime lurker on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, no, LinkedIn and our website. So velocity-insight.com. Only one insight. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I um, love talking oil and gas. Love talking data. It's kind of how I spend my entire day. So reach out if you uh, if you want to talk. If you got a question or anything like that, and love to go on the site and get the latest copy of the survey as well uh you have to submit your data right. so we we give it out to participants yeah. um for free so there's a little form that you can fill out um or if i we collect most of the data just through interviews yeah. honestly um which is usually more fun yeah yeah so is that cool. is there like a cutoff for whenever you it's do, rolling so okay, so, so we're trying that? to do it annually right. um so we're always collecting data cool. and we're always sending out reports um so at any point if you're interested just Give me a shout. Awesome. Um, yeah. And and uh, we're always looking for places to hold Power BI classes. So if anybody has desire to do one of those, give us a shout. We'd love to come to a city near you. Yeah. And if, uh, teach if, classes. If you want, if you've got one in Houston and you're looking for a spot, we've got, I'll show you the, the room after this. But love it. Yeah. Love it. Appreciate awesome. it. I'm going to. I'm going to go on Twitter and see if longtime lurker uh, username is taken yet or not. Cause <laughs> I love that username. <laughs> oh, appreciate it, Zach. Good deal. Thanks, Thanks you guys. Thank you. Yeah. While some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Goodbye.